Volume three, chapter twenty four of Gwenwin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Gwenwin, a romance of the Y by Mainbreed. Volume three, chapter twenty four. Starting on a continental tour. Levin Murdoch is dead and buried, has been for days. Not in the family vault of the winds, though he had the right of having his body there laid. But his widow, who had control of the interment, willed it otherwise. She has repugnance to opening that receptacle of the dead, holding a secret she may well dread disclosure of. There was no very searching inquiry into the cause of the man's death none such seeming needed a coroner's inquest true but of the most perfunctory kind several habitues of the welsh harp with its staff of waiters testified to having seen him at that hostelry till a late hour of the night on which he was drowned and far gone in drink the landlord advanced the narrative a stage by telling how he conveyed him to the boat and delivered him to his boatman richard dempsey all true enough while coracle capped the story by a statement of circumstances in part facts but the major part fictitious how the inebriate gentleman after lying a while quiet at the bottom of the skiff suddenly sprung upon his feet and staggering excitedly about capsized the craft spilling both into the water some corroboration of this in the boat having been found floating keel upwards and the boatman arriving home at langoran soaking wet to his having been in this condition several of the court domestics at the time called out of their beds with purpose prepense were able to bear witness but dempsey's testimony is further strengthened even to confirmation by himself having since taken to bed where he now lies dangerously ill of a fever the result of a cold caught from that chilling douche in this latest inquest the finding of the jury is set forth in two simple words drowned accidentally no suspicion attaches to any one and his widow now wearing the weeds of sombre hue sorrows profoundly but her grief is great only in the eyes of the outside world and the presence of the langoran domestics alone within her chamber she shows little signs of sorrow and if possible less when gregoire rogier is her companion which he almost constantly is if more than half his time at the court while levin murdoch was alive he is now there nearly the whole of it no longer as a guest but as much its master as she is its mistress for that matter indeed more if inference may be drawn from a dialogue occurring between them some time after her husband's death they are in the library where there is a strong chest devoted to the safekeeping of legal documents wills leases and the like all the paraphernalia of papers relating to the administration of the estate Rochier is at a table upon which many of these lie, with writing materials besides. A sheet of foolscap is before him, 
on which he has just scribbled the rough copy of an advertisement intended to be sent to several newspapers i think this will do he says to the widow who in an easy chair drawn up in front of the fire is sipping chartreuse and smoking paper cigarettes shall i read it to you no i don't want to be bothered with the thing in detail enough if you let me hear its general purport he gives her this in briefest epitome the langoran estates to be sold by public auction with all the appurtenances mansion park ornamental grounds home and out farms manorial rights presentation to church living etc etc très bien have you put down the date it should be soon you're right cherie should and must be so soon i fear we won't realize three-fourths of the value but there's no help for it with the ugly thing threatening hanging over our necks like a very sword of damocles you mean the tongue of le braconnier she has reason to dread it no i don't not in the slightest there is a sickle too near his own in the hands of the reaper death he's dying then she speaks with an earnestness in which there is no feeling of compassion but the very reverse he is the other answers in like unpitying tone i've just come from his bedside from the cold he caught that night i suppose yes that's partly the cause but he adds with a diabolical grin more the medicine he has taken for it what mean you gregoire only that monsieur dick has been delirious and i saw danger in it he was talking too wildly you've done something to keep him quiet i have what given him a sleeping draught but he'll wake up again and then then i'll administer another dose of the anodyne what sort of anodyne a hypodermic hypodermic i've never heard of the thing not even the name a wonderful cure it is for noisy tongues to excite one's curiosity tell me something of its nature oh it's very simple exceedingly so only a drop of liquid introduced into the blood not in the common roundabout way by pouring down the throat but direct injection into the veins the process in itself is easy enough as every medical practitioner knows the skill consists in the kind of liquid to be injected that's one of the occult sciences i learnt in italy land of lucrezia and tofana where such branches of knowledge still flourish elsewhere it's not much known and perhaps it's well it isn't or there might be more widowers with a still larger proportion of widows poison she exclaims involuntarily adding in a timid whisper was it gregoire poison he echoes protestingly that's too plain a word and the idea it conveys too vulgar for such a delicate scientific operation as that i've performed possibly in monsieur coracle's case the effect will be somewhat similar but not the after symptoms if i haven't made miscalculation as to quantity ere three days are over it will send him to his eternal sleep 
and i'll defy all the medical experts in england to detect traces of poison in him so don't inquire further cherie be satisfied to know the hypodermic will do you a service and he adds with sardonic smile grateful if it be never given to yourself she starts recoiling in horror not at the repulsive confessions she has listened to but more through personal fear though herself steeped in crime he beside her seems its very incarnation she has long known him morally capable of anything and now fancies he may have the power of the famed basilisk to strike her dead with a glance of his eyes bah he exclaims observing her trepidation but pretending to construe it otherwise why all this emotion about such miserable he'll have no widow to lament him inconsolable like yourself ha <laughs> ha besides for our safety both of us his death is as much needed as was the other after killing the bird that threatened to devour our crops it would be blind buffoonery to keep the scarecrow standing i only wish there were nothing but he between us and complete security but is there still she asks her alarm taking a new turn as she observes a slight shade of apprehension pass over his face certainly there is what the little convent matter mon dieu i supposed it arranged beyond the possibility of danger probability is the word you mean in this sweet world there's nothing sure except money that too in hard cash coin even at the best we'll have to sacrifice a large slice of the estate to satisfy the greed of those who have assisted us monsieur le jesuit if i could only as by some magician's wand convert these clods of hertfordshire into a portable shape i'd cheat them yet as i've done already in making them believe me one of their most ardent doctrinaires then cher ami we could at once move from Langoran court to a palace by some lake of como glassing softest skies with whispering myrtles and all the other falals by which monsieur bulwer's sham prince humbugged the lyonese shopkeeper's daughter <laughs> but why can't it be done ah there the word impossible if you like what convert a landed estate of several thousand acres into cash presto instanter as though one were but selling a flock of sheep the thing can't be accomplished anywhere least of all in this slow-moving angleterre where men look at their money twice twenty times before parting with it even a mortgage couldn't be managed for weeks maybe months without losing quite the moiety of value but a bona fide sale for which we must wait and with that cloud hanging over us oh it's damnable the thing's been a blunder from beginning to end all through the squeamishness of monsieur votre mari had he agreed to what i first proposed and done with mademoiselle what should have been done he might himself still the simpleton sot soft heart and softer head 
well it's of no use revealing him now he paid the forfeit for being a fool and twill do no good our giving way to apprehensions that after all may turn out shadows however dark in the end everything may go right and we can make our midnight flitting in a quiet comfortable way but what a flutter there will be among my flock at the rugs ferry chapel when they wake up some fine morning and rub their eyes only to see that their good shepherd has forsaken them a comical scene of which i'd like being a spectator <laughs> she joins him in the laugh for the sally is irresistible and while they are still ha-haing a touch at the door tells of a servant seeking admittance it is the butler who presents himself salver in hand on which rests a chrome-coloured envelope at a glance seen to be a telegraphic dispatch it bears the address reverend gregoire rochier rugs ferry harfordshire and when opened the telegram is seen to have been sent from folkestone its wording is the bird has escaped from its cage garde. well for the pseudo priest and his cher ami that before they read it the butler had left the room for though figurative the form of expression and cabalistic the words both man and woman seem instantly to comprehend them and with such comprehension as almost to drive them distracted he is silent as if struck dumb his face showing blanched and bloodless while she utters a shriek half terrified half in frenzied anger it is the last loud cry or word to which she gives utterance at Langoran, and no longer there speaks the priest loudly or authoritatively the after hours of that night are spent by both of them not as the owners of the house but burglars in the act of breaking it up till the hour of dawn the two might be seen silently flitting from room to room attended only by clarisse who carries the candle ransacking drawers and secretaires selecting articles of bijouterie and vertu of little weight but large value and packing them in trunks and travelling bags all of which under the grey light of morning are taken to the nearest railway station in one of the court carriages a large drag barouche inside which ride rochier and madame murdoch veuve her femme de chambre having a seat beside the coachman who has been told they are starting on a continental tour and so were they but it was a tour from which they never returned instead it was extended to a greater distance than they themselves designed and in a direction neither dreamt of since their career after a year's interval ended in deportation to cayenne for some crime committed by them in the south of france so said the semaphore of marseilles end of chapter twenty four read by lars rolander